Welcome back to Making Data Science Work for Local Government, a series brought to you by Data Science Specialists Peak Indicators. Last time, we covered how to produce insights from data that you can trust. This time, it's about getting those insights to frontline workers so they can start having a real impact on operations and services. First, I wanted to ask Paul about some of the more intriguing use cases for data-driven insights. You've included quite a lot of good examples and case studies in the report of the pilot projects from all across the world, actually, mm. involving local government and data science. I mean, what, when you're putting it together, which ones of those pilot projects really excited you? And what, and what, and what do you think some of the best takeaways from those were? That's a great, yeah, really good. I mean, that's a great question, Nathan, because I think when you look in the literature, when you look at some of the, the work that's going on, there are many, many great examples of you know local governments and local councils using very innovative technologies uh, in in amazing ways Um, and I think that's fantastic and I think we shouldn't think that just because councils do face issues around budget um, around you know regulatory constraint that that should inhibit them from doing things and amazing things because some councils really are Um, but I think some of the things that I've I think like you said been excited by I think there's a lot of um, scope around the use of predictive analytics. So that's kind of using data from the past, your historical data, to make predictions about the future. And I think part of the reason that that excites me, or I think that's so important, is that a lot of the predicting the future can help in terms of, you know, how you might allocate resources or how you might support being able to identify particular groups that may be at risk um, and particular kind of ways that you could improve um, kind of services. So I think the whole area of predictive analytics is a really interesting one. I mean, of course, there's also many, many, many challenges to using predictive analytics as well, but I can see many benefits. I, I really like the use of AI. So things like chatbots, for example, so allowing people to interact with public services in a more natural way perhaps by speaking to them 24-7. There was some, I think, some really good examples of using, you know, commonplace technology, for example, uh, Amazon uh, Alexa or Echo or uh, Google Home in uh, adult care, where people with disabilities do find it very difficult uh, to be able to, you know, just do simple things like switching lights on and off when they're, you know, being put into bed. So these technologies, these kind of smart home technologies that digital assistants are incredible in that they allow people to have a better quality of life um, and again this is commonplace technology now so why shouldn't it be commonplace in uh, you know local government settings as well yeah um, i think you know again sort of other examples i've seen that i think you know yeah very simple ones but um, so New York, for example, uh, is probably one of the leading smart cities um, and the way that they collect data, the way that they uh, use that data to create dashboards, which are real time. So as a citizen, you can see real time what's going on in terms of key you know, metrics, key things within your district, within the city, within your region. Uh, again, I think is really, really interesting, really exciting. Yeah, I think from a couple of those examples, chatbots and the dashboards especially, this is sort of getting into another area I wanted to cover about putting the insights into the hands of decision makers. And those are two tools that are very good for immediately delivering those in a very easily understood way. I wonder if you could talk more about that side of the challenge, not so much the engagement, but the actual making it straightforward to take action from what you've 
learn yeah. from your data? Again, yeah, another really good question, and it's a very challenging thing, I think, for um, sort of analytics teams to hand over um, the kind of results, the outcomes of what they do um, to the decision makers, whoever that might be. Um, so the sorts of things I think that would help here um, could be in terms of when you're thinking about things like your um, dashboards and so on, it may be around the designs that you have, the way that you present that information, um, thinking about accessibility issues, thinking about uh, user experience and how that can help in terms of improving uh, the way that the data comes across. Uh, I think also really understanding who is actually, uh, if you like, going to be using your end result who's kind of digesting that content is super important. When I think back to the kind of, you know, the COVID uh, TV um, kind of, you know, reports that we were having, and we kept seeing all these graphs and that, and there were the scientists trying to explain them and that. And I was sitting there with my family thinking and saying to them, do you understand what this is telling, telling us? And everybody was saying, no, I don't. And I didn't understand. And I think I'm kind of okay with data and analytics. And I just thought there was a real example where they just weren't communicating I think the insights that were super important that were affecting everybody in a very effective way. And again, I think it's really important for local government when they're thinking about that end user, the, the people who are consuming, digesting uh, the results of what they're doing, really be thinking about how you, how you make it accessible um, and think about how people are going to kind of make use um, of that data and those insights. Yeah, I think just from that example you point out, it, there's a difference between showing the figures and mm. telling the story around them and yeah. doing that work for people of, well, what does it mean? What yeah. does that mean to me as well? Yeah. Um, how, you talk a bit in the report about building narratives, data narratives. Mm. How powerful can that be for communicating that? I think it's not just powerful. I think it's basically, uh, it has to be done. So I think often when you present things, you present in a narrative when I think about the way I do a presentation, I have to form a narrative and I'm trying to communicate a story. And it's exactly the same when you're trying to build dashboards or if, you're, if you've got five minutes with your senior exec team to present the findings of you know, years of data science work, or maybe it's been months. Um, actually, the way to do that effectively is to build a narrative, is to build a story. Because by doing that, what you're trying to think about are what are the key take-home messages? What's important? You could have a hundred fantastic graphs that show you all sorts of things, but you can't show all of them in five minutes to a senior exec team. You've got to pick out what are the key things that you need to communicate, what are the messages that you want to get across, and uh, how are you going to do that? So I think the whole idea, the narrative, the story is super important. A, a kind of visualisation, a report on its own isn't enough. You have to embed it within a story. Now, it might be that you're there telling that story, and you use the reports and so on to kind of support that. Um, however, it might be that you know you need to somehow create a visualization or some kind of communication tool, if you like, that is able to do that on its own. Um, and you know, to be honest, we can learn a lot from organisations like the BBC. When you look at the news and you look at the way that they present the graphics, there are many, many good examples of good communication there, uh, in that they are trying to communicate often some quite complex things to a very general audience um, and you know they do though that often in very very effective ways yeah communicating externally this gets into another area we cover as well about uh, open data mm. and third parties making use of the findings obviously 
by presenting it in a narrative, that information is much easier, much more easily shared. Mm. Um, actually, I suppose first we should wind it back a bit and talk about opening data, the idea of open data for councils that um, maybe aren't familiar with the term and just how valuable that can be to people in the community having access to their data. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's this whole idea of open data and the idea of kind of opening up um, data sets to a wider um, kind of community, this kind of democratization, I guess, of, uh, of data, mm. um, which I think is a really important thing to be considering um, within local government. I know many local governments are involved in uh, open data initiatives, uh, which is great because they see the value in sharing uh, data sets. They see the value in kind of, you know, if you can do that and do it well, you can do things like standardization, you can then join your data sets, you can, you know, gain greater insights, amplify those insights and so on through the kind of, you know, um, aggregated data sets. Of course, the other benefit is the sort of open data in terms of being able to share with a wider group outside the, the council. So maybe uh, sharing with other emergency services, maybe other councils to give that kind of joined up view, that almost like citizen 360 uh, type of view. This holistic view of citizens um, is all about trying to sort of join up the different data that you might have or the data points about a citizen, um, such that it's brought together. So you can kind of have that bigger view. And that would be really useful for professionals who are trying to, you know, uh, do some kind of intervention where you want all the information about a citizen at one time to help make decisions. Um, where if it's stored in different data sets, if it's, you know, inaccessible, that can be really hard because you'll get gaps, if you like, um, in, the, in, the, in the kind of profile. Um, a lot of people liken it to maybe, you know, sort of Amazon. In Amazon, we have a profile, we have that kind of joined up uh, data set. Uh, and then Amazon starts to do things like making recommendations and so on. And I think this idea of them being able to kind of, if you had a kind of a, an accurate sort of view or representation of somebody through the various data sets, that you'd then be able to do things like tailor services, personalised services, uh, you know, create very tailored interventions, you know, is very appealing. And I can see that a lot of organisations would want to go uh, kind of that way. Part of the... Um Part of achieving the real-time view of a citizen, as well as, like you talked about, personalization of services, mm. it's a more rapid deployment of them, being mm. able to intervene quicker. Yeah. Have you got an example sort of of that? Um, yeah, so there was uh, an example um, with the work we've been doing with Devon County Council as part of their Smarter Devon um, project. Uh, one example is where they were looking at school attendance reports or reporting. Uh, and what they needed to do, or I think part of the problem was just that the, the sort of gathering those reports um, was a very manual process, a very time-intensive process, but also the time uh, in terms of reporting the result was quite slow. Um, so part of the work that um, we did with them was to kind of speed up that process and to kind of you know make the process a little bit more automated. So the idea was to sort of bring together that information a lot quicker and do some of the kind of, you know, uh, data loading, transformation and so on more automatically reducing the amount of time that people had to spend doing that. And you know, the end result is that they were actually the council was actually able to report school attendance uh, twice per day. Whereas before it took an awful lot um, longer to report attendance. 
and in the case of that example, you know that that is important because you you know people want to know or, or pe- people need to know, you know, are children in school or not? And if they're not, uh, there needs to be some intervention and some action that's taken. So of course, the quicker you can speed up uh, the kind of reporting, the quicker you can kind of intervene and do something about it. I think another element of this joined up approach you talk about in the report is alternative forms of citizen data, understanding how people are using your services in real time by expanding your data sources. I mean, what is available in that regard? But actually, there's a whole raft of data out there that would be very valuable to local governments. So, for example, text, social media data. Imagine if you can analyse that, if you can gain insight from that, if you can understand what people are saying about our local services, the kind of feeling that they have, the emotion that they have. Uh, We also have images, videos as well. So what about if we could analyse images and we can identify certain objects in images? Or, for example, uh, if we had video, let's say we were trying to monitor in real time, maybe we have a video uh, of somebody as they're driving around, maybe it's one of our staff, you know, uh, sort of road um, sort of maintenance people, whatever, they're driving around, they have a video, and we're able to automatically identify potholes and types of potholes rather than having to do this manually. You know, those are the, some of the opportunities that certainly AI, machine learning, data science could be uh, opening up uh, to local government. I think taking advantage of those opportunities is, is, is good for local government in particular just because of the way they interact with the, the people they work for and work with. Yeah. You know, getting a lot of feedback from a community, like you say, is quite hard to wrangle, but it feels very necessary to have that sort of almost instant feedback of how services are going. Yeah, That's very valuable for improving that. Yeah. And yeah, something like natural language processing, which mm. you get into in the report, facilitates that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, local government, like many organisations, are often sitting on a lot of different data of different types. The struggle is actually doing something with that data and analysing that data, you know, Often you don't have the time, you don't have the resources to do anything but even just collect that data. And some organisations don't even store that data. It comes in, it goes out. Um, But once you start being able to store the data, manage that data, govern the data, you can start to use the data uh, and use it in effective ways. Uh, And I think that's kind of what we're starting to see, certainly um, within many areas of local government. But there's many other uh, opportunities many other areas in which to grow. But it's a journey, and it's going to be a long-term journey for for most organisations. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Data Science Work for Local Government. If you are interested in any of the topics we covered, you can find more detail in a report of the same name written by Professor Paul Clark, which is available on the Peak Indicators website. That's peakindicators.com. Thanks for listening.